0: Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Belongings. Today's episode is a very special one. I have two conversations with the same person. I'm speaking with Asala, who is from the Karam House membership team in Rayhanlay. Asala is such a special human being who has a very deep connection with the community, with the students and the kids, with the team. And she's somebody that I admire very much. In the first conversation, I speak with Asala about her life and her journey. And the second conversation happens with Asala after the earthquake. Asada was one of the people on our team who was most directly impacted by the earthquakes that happened earlier this year in February, and she lost her home, her whole family became homeless within a couple of minutes, and she went through a harrowing experience. And so it's a poignant conversation about belonging, and how belonging changes and shifts very quickly, and how people lose everything they had, even after they had already been displaced. I hope you're inspired by Asada and her strength. Hi Asada, welcome to Belongings. Hi Lina, thank you for
1: being with you in Belongings.
0: I'm so excited to speak with you today. We're at Karam House in Rayhande and Asala has been part of the team for many years now. She is really the heart of Karam House, as I always say, and she is Karam House's outreach team leader. She's gonna tell us what that means and what she does at Karam House because she does so much. I'm so excited to speak with you today about your journey. I'm
1: so happy always to be with Karam, with many titles, and even with recently a team outreach team leader outreach team leader is really a, uh, I think it's a circle in Karam House and we will continue for future and for beyond our future. Outreach team leader is to continue our work, to be bigger, to rise more, to flourishing in this society and more. And before we start to make a leaders, but now we will continue to uh, contribute with these leaders in this community. So outreach to make our leaders include more in this community and also to reach more to other communities and to make communities come to us, not to make us to go to the community. So inshallah soon, we'll make
0: all the communities to come to us and to share everything with them. That sounds amazing, and I look forward to that. Inshallah. So my first question to you is the traditional question is, what does belonging mean to you? Okay, for me, belonging really uh, now changed. At the beginning,
1: belonging as a Syrian refugee woman was the feeling of security, the feeling of support, to be accepted by others and to be included well in life, and to accept you as you are, and to support you, and to shed light on your positivity in life. But now... A little bit is strange for me because um, now I have been here in Turkey 12 years ago. So belonging to me is really to belong to the poor people, belong to the need people. When I am part of those people, I'm belonging to them, not only for walls or homes. Yes, I have the source of belonging from Syria is my family, my homeland and my grandparents' house. But now... It's more, the more is that I have this power, I have these stable resources and I want to build it more. Now I belong to the people who I'm really able to feel with them, to be part of them, to
0: have the same feeling and to catch their hands in this life. I love that answer. It reminds me of Hassan's answer, too, about seeing belonging as an act of service. Exactly. It's wonderful. Well, that's why you're at Karam House. So my second question is about the mapping exercise. What we usually do, I ask every guest to draw a map of home. You can make it like a floor plan. You could make it as a symbol. You can make it really whatever you like. And Mm -hmm. it can be home as you imagine it. It can be home in the past, in the present, in the future we will take about five to 10 minutes, as long as you need to draw. And um, if you want to be telling me the story while you draw, it's okay, or you wait, and then you'll tell us the story of your map.
1: Yeah, I think I will start with the story because we have the introduction of the story, and there is no end for this story, but I will start with my village. My village is on the border with Turkey in Latakia, and it's a long road, Latakia here, and we have Aleppo, and my village is here. Here we have a big plant and river, and I have my grandparents' home. It's since 17 years ago. My grandfather built by his hand this building. It's very huge, and they gathered all of the families here. And we have here, long road of trees and flowers. I will not concentrate on the building inside. I will concentrate more on the space outside because here where we were standing to wait all of our families to come to eat and we were very not active kids and start to say hello to all the people. And here there is a room where my aunt put all the sweets and candies, and we were go to this room to take it secretly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other space is here, the kitchen. And in the kitchen, also we were waiting to have uh, the meal. This meal is traditional one for all of us. We were about 45 person in this home. Yes, all of the older, young kids and also anytime we can welcome any guests from the village. So here, this space, the kitchen and the room for only sweets and candies only, this uh, stick in my mind, and also the sitting room where we sit very close to the door, because sometimes we try to run directly and play together. And my grandfather also tries to tell us a lot of stories, and these stories just to make our imagination connected to the village. Because we moved from village to city, and she tries always to make us connect to the rural. Always they tells us that, yes, you are in the city, but you have to be careful about rural. You have to be careful about agricultural cultures of us. We need to take care. We need to use our education in university in city to make use it for the rural also. So this building was the first source for us to have authenticity for the rural, the city, and then when the revolution started, I don't think before that I will use these stories in Turkey also. Always when we look at the border, the border is very close to our grandparents' home. When you look at this border, they told us stories that look here where Turkish Osmanli armies come to here and we help them, they are good. We have many stories. And we will look for imagination. Imagination, how is Turkey? What they took, Maybe. But after 12 years, <laughs> I really come to Turkey. Now you know. And I know. So sometimes this road, we go to Turkey illegally. We go to these mountains. We cross the rivers. And we have many difficulties from my grandparents' home to enter Turkey. I don't think before that my (laughs) grandparents' stories will be really real in life when they told us about the previous war and the previous uh, things that they came to Syria for French war with Syrians. And we connect these stories to the present. It's not past. The past is not past. The past now is the present. And maybe the present will be integrated to the future. So this gives me, this place, to the border of Turkey, a new view that our stories, we will use it. It's not only for fun. It's not only for entertainment. We will use it and we will add more. So this is the place, really, I have it for the belonging, my grandparents' house, and the border to Turkey.
0: Wow. And you haven't been there for 12 years? 12 years, yes. Are there anybody still living there?
1: Yes, um, my uncle's there. And the first place after the border, the camp. I was working in the camp with the school, and I also belong to the camp. I am not able to forget all the tents and the kids and how the situations were very bad. And as an educated teacher, I have a lot of duties there. I forgot My home, I forget the suffer. Just we try to focus on this camp. How we will be able to protect the new kids? How we'll be able to make the elder people accept the situation? How we'll be able to educate them? And how we'll be able to make the Turkish society understand us well? And how we'll be able to be a connection between the Turkish society and our people? It was an awful situation at the beginning. We were in this camp and we don't know how we will start. Really, they let me forget everything, just focus on these kids, how we'll be able to secure them. It's not only the education, it was about how we will include them, how will we give them sympathy, how we give them feeling that you are fine, we are here. You can speak, you can talk, you can feel safe also just to save their psychological situation. So the camp for me, since the first step in Turkey, it's my belonging in Turkey.
0: Wow. So, Thank you so much, Asada, for sharing that. It's a great story and connection, like you said. So actually, I wanted to ask you about your journey to Reyhanli. So I guess it really is a continuation of the story. So can you tell us about that journey?
1: Yes. I started from uh, Yayladar, Layladar in the other part of border in the cab. And then I moved from Yayladar to Antakya because um, we need to have a school for the Syrians in uh, Antakya. And I have to share my experience here. So I started to have to work in the schools and then uh, we have chances to work with NGOs that we need to have some support because I'm English teacher, so they need someone who is speaking English. So I worked with many NGOs about IDBS and how we will support them inside Syria and here. Our work with them uh, differentiates in many fields, some of them about MBTs. So we have a lot of cases of MBTs and how we'll be able to support them. And we will try to work closely with them. And then with the families here, the women, we need to work about women empowerment. So also we need to encourage their situation and their role here in Turkey. And then I changed my work to another part. It's about protection and how we need to protect kids and how we'll be able to aware uh, Syrians to shed light on education. And then I have a great opportunity to include all of my previous experiences that I have not lived before with Karam. I applied for Karam, but I don't know what it is exactly. But I read about that something about Syrians, refugees. My belief that revolution is not only fighting, is only for building. So I want to be part from building. So, yes, I built in Antakya, but I have this challenge and I want to see how we'll be able to build, how we will be able to be share our revolution and our way to support Syria. Yes, we are out of Syria, but we can build Syrians here. We can build leaders here, maybe for not next three, five months, but for very close future, inshallah. And we will, will we have this belief and hope and we will keep for sure have this hope. So... Many of my relatives say that Rihali, nothing there, how you will go there, it's on the border. It's the first time I have been in Rihali. But I came to Rihali, At the first time I opened the door, I feel that I'm on another planet. Really, it's amazing. When they share with me about what Karam is doing, it's something amazing. Yes, I worked with many NGOs, I work with many people, I work in many fields, but like Karam, no. I have told all of my colleagues that say, Karam, you give me everything ready, tools, mechanisms, projects, processes. But here in Karam, we create that from our experiences. We know what they need and we build it step by step, hand by hand, and with not easy things. It's with feeling, it's with adventure, it's with the challenges, it's with people, it's with our kids. That our participants, they guide us to do that. So it's not ready. So this is why it's mixed with efforts. So anything in the world, when we mix it with efforts, it will be the perfect life. So I'm very happy to be with Karam since five years ago. I have a hope. And I see from now, I'm sure, inshallah, I will go back to Syria because Karam will be everywhere very soon, inshallah.
0: I mean, every time I want to ask the question, but you've already answered it, that was going to be my next question about Karam. And it's so beautiful what you're saying. I do believe that it is a revolutionary approach. And that's what we wanted to do from the beginning, because we knew how much that was needed for this generation. And I know that you're on the front lines, literally on the front lines of Karam House, as the person who is greeting all of the students. You make bonds with them, you connect with them, you connect with the families, the parents. I know that it's a very noble mission and you're very connected to the work, but there must be tough days too when you connect with the families and the challenges. So can you tell us a little bit about the challenges? What challenges do you face when you have to work with the families and the community and the kids? Really, it's a big
1: challenge. Kind of especially, you don't work by physical situation. You work with spirit. So you need a lot of spirit, spiritual things. You need a lot of belief. These things, it's not easy to be full in your life, especially that you are not perfect situation. I have two daughters. I have my family. I lose my brothers in the war. My sisters also loses their husbands. So I feel that my parents have the hope in me. I'm not only a normal daughter for them, I'm not a normal mother to my daughters. I feel that I have a big responsibility for my family, my daughters, and for my work, and for my homeland, and for the life. The challenge that sometimes I feel frustrated that how I will be able to make a balance for my body, for my family, for my daughters and for my work because all of them they need support life is not only for financial issues no they need more they need your positivity they need your power they need your smile at the beginning i have some yes workload in how i will make a balance i don't want to be one part more than the other part at the beginning yes i have some challenges but then i come back to myself, since two years ago, I changed the sacrifice concept, because before I think that sacrifice to give to others, to others, to others, only to others. But the main person who gives to others, what about it? This person, how will keep giving? So I start to take care of myself now. I put a program for doing sport, for walking, for listening to myself, for relaxing, and everything's now better from before. And smile is my key concept for everything.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very important to take care of yourself, especially when we do this kind of work. Yeah. I'm so glad you're talking about that. Yes, exactly. Now I'm very happy
1: to make this balance. Even, yes, we lived many, many of the challenges, but at the least, finally, we can find the solution for that and to go back to ourselves.
0: Wonderful. We're going to go into the rapid fire questions, but before we do, I wanted to ask you about the initiative of Karam Clubs, which I know is very dear to you. Can you tell us a little bit about what happens at Karam Clubs?
1: Karam Clubs really is an amazing thing that we uh, have done here in Karam. When they started from the guest mentors, we have a guest mentors. They came from all over the world in summer. It's out of innovative education program and they are different uh, personalities, professionals. And one of them, it was about journalism and about the drama, about Shakespeare. All of our participants, they were very happy because they are out of what they do in the, the studios. So one time they came to us and say that we have these skills and we want to continue, how will we be able? As a current, you know, it's the first time always we listen to our participants, always we listen to them. So we try to really make this, you know, motivation in the right way. So we start to say, to go to manage and say, and Karam say, yes, we can do it. We can go with them. We can listen to them. We can them guide this club. We make them to direct this. Because we need to manage that between that we have tasks, we are employees, and how we'll be able to make them in the right way. So we find the way to make them do this by themselves. So we start with Basmatuna, Basmatuna and electronic newspaper. They start to write about many things. They train very well. We search a lot about people who they are able to give them training. And really, thank you for Karam, they do that. They connect us with many people, professionals, to give them some trainings. And by themselves also, they search for trainings and ask all of their colleagues to attend um, online. Then we try to step-by-step to make it as a staff, how they be editors, writers, caricatures, how you you know manage this. Step-by-step, we try to be a very professional way in working. So we have these uh, meetings every week, I only guide them. They are perfect and to provide them what they need. So at the beginning, they start to write. And then we try to focus on what we have as a youth, Syrian youth to write about it as this age, teenagers to make, you know, we don't want to make them go deep in politics. We need to protect them. We don't, we don't want them to go psychological issues. So we try to have a brainstorming. What they want, what they need at this age. How will be able to direct our articles to this? So we divided the articles for them for education, for also Karam kind of Studios, for uh, politics, but in what they really carefully about this, and uh, they start. They have many editions, and um, recently they were writing about some Arabic. Proverbs and stories.
0: That's so cool.
1: And for drama, for Shakespeare also, they were worked with. started with Michelle Ajami. She was amazing. And they started with Shakespeare. And then they write the drama novels by themselves. Also, they use these issues and they try to shed the light on that. So uh, the clubs, and then we start with podcast, and then with um, reading. Clubs are really... Very nice to our participants to, they feel free that they are the leaders of this, but under of our monitoring and supporting.
0: Yeah. I mean, what would you say to somebody from the outside, they're not Syrian, who would say, or even maybe Syrians too, would say, why do Syrian refugees need Shakespeare? Why they need
1: Shakespeare? It's not only about that Shakespeare. Shakespeare was the um, famous character for life. It's not an issue of Syrians or of other, you know, nationalities. Shakespeare's for all of the people because Shakespeare was and is, not was also, and we will keep the famous person and really in life about the life and give them wisdoms in life and how they will be able to listen to the word. Shakespeare, what is, I think for me, Shakespeare is the person who can make the word in the right way. The word has many meanings, but how will we be able to take these meanings in the right way? So for us, it's not for only the Syrians, it's for all over the people.
0: I love that. So I wanted to ask if you have a favorite Karam House story of something like an experience that happened to you or something that happened with one of the students or anything that you'd like to share.
1: I have a lot, but one story I think it's a circle of what we are doing here. We have an issue with some of our students that their parents they will not allow her to come in, to Karam because they said you will spend time while you will we will be there and she was very good one and she came to me please my parents like this and I don't know how we'll be able to make them understand Karam so we invite the family to come to Karam and start to explain and listen to the father and make the father and the daughter together. And the father said that it's the first time he is talking with his daughter, the first time he is knowing what she wants. And when his daughter talks about Karam in front of him, he was, you know, surprised. You really, this is what you are doing here in Karam? And he pushed his daughter and all of his colleagues' kids to come to Karam. And he is one of our outreach sources to all the society. And now his daughter is, she's is in university. Wow. And always he said, we are proud of her because she was not talking a lot. She's not able to be in the society and now she's alone in the university. So it was amazing to have this family power, not only for the, our participants and also for her family. Yeah.
0: So it was amazing. That's so great. I love that story. I'm going to go to the rapid fire questions, which are the questions I ask every guest. The first one is complete this sentence. Home is where? The heart is. If you had to leave your home and take one belonging with you as a memory, what would it be?
1: Our principles in life.
0: What's one piece of advice you would give to a refugee in the world who's trying to find belonging in a new place? You are not less than of others.
1: You are more powerful of others. How so? How? Because they leave the difficulties no one else live, So he is able
0: to move and continue. Yeah, I believe that too. Give us a list of three places that people must visit in your hometown. Mosque, school, my grandparents' home. <laughs> I mean, everybody can fit there, right? It's so big. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what dish tastes like home to you? Luchiyyeh. That's a popular answer, yes. Yes. What's a book or books that you love and have recommended to your friends that you'd like to recommend to the audience?
1: Recently, I have read a book here about Syria revolution. It was amazing. It's called A Damaged Country to be a Kingdom. I don't remember the author, right? Yes, but it's A uh, Destroyed Country to be a Kingdom. It's about Syria. And really, it's about the recent Syria. And it's very nice for our generations to understand it. And uh, the other book for all Shakespeare's book. I love Shakespeare's books, everything about Shakespeare in general.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Asala, for your time and for sharing your story. I'm so excited that you're here at Karam House and continuing to grow the mission and the projects and doing all of the outreach, I always say Asada is the heart of Karam House. Asala in Arabic means authenticity. It's one of Karam's values and that's her name and she is very authentic. And so we're lucky to have you on our team and I appreciate you being on Belongings.
1: Thank you, Lina, for you. Also, you have a big part in my travel in Cairo. Uh, when they asked me, what is the thing that you feel happy in Karam? I said always, when Lina hugged us and said, you are our power here. Lina gives me a lot of power to work more. So thank you, Lina, really for your
0: positive words, always, always with us really. Thank you you so much. I mean, all of the work that we do here is a team effort. And I wish everybody listening could come see Karam House. I hope really. They will be out of the
1: world when they will be in Karam, inshallah. So thank you very much for you, you, Lina, also for Karam, for our leaders and for all the people who listen to us. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. The interview you just listened to was recorded before the February Turkey-Syria earthquakes. These earthquakes caused massive destruction and resulted in the loss of homes, lives, and hope. Asada's home was one of those destroyed. In the middle of the night, she barely made it out alive with her young daughters. They were left with nothing. I spoke with Asada after the earthquake earlier this year, and I'd like to share the interview with you. Her story serves as a poignant reminder of the strength of the human spirit, even in the darkest of times. As we listen to Asala's words, let's keep in mind the ongoing struggles of those affected by the earthquake. May their stories inspire empathy, understanding, and support from us all. Now, without further ado, let's listen to Asala's story. Hello Asala, welcome to Belongings. Hello Lina. How thank are you. you doing? Fine, thank you. And you? Very good, very good. To everybody listening, I'm sure you remember that we've spoken to Asala in season one of Belongings, and she is our membership team leader at Karam House Rayhandle, and really a vital part of the Karam House team. I spoke to Asala in January, and we were just speaking a little bit before recording, start pressing record, And when I was thinking about when we spoke last time in January, even though it's just been a few months ago, it feels like it's been a lifetime ago because of everything that's happened in Turkey and in Syria after the devastating earthquake in February. So we did not cover these issues and the post-earthquake situation in season one of Belongings. And as we're starting season two, we want to talk about how the post-earthquake reality has affected people's understanding and reactions around belonging, especially people living in Turkey and in northern Syria and in the area that's been affected by the earthquake. So we wanted to bring Asala back because she had very powerful things that she spoke about in terms of belonging and her journey from Syria to Turkey in our first conversation with Asala. And today we want to focus on this update of the experience of living through the earthquake with her family, as well as what has happened since then and get this update live from the ground. So we really appreciate your time and presence today, Asala. Thank you, Lina, very much for being here. Also, uh, for being after the
1: situation post-earthquake, especially that belonging before and now, it's not such so different, but it has a new look for the life. Let me talk about a last um, and recent situation for the earthquake uh, situation the main point that uh, takes us in different way uh, for that belonging that uh, we are all in the same road with turkish people we have the same feeling the same situation it's something is different in our belonging before and now now we have a little bit new way of belonging that we are not a Syrian refugees only. We have this. We have also others. It is the first time that we are feeling that this feeling that we are not in a separate situation. We have the same situation. All of us search about the same thing. All of us looking forward for the same thing as one unity in this community. So belonging for us as one type, is just to, you know, catch the hand by hand, to think about all the people. It's not only the one situation, one fear of ours. It's a common one that it's not to focus on one type of tea people, we will focus on all the community because all of the community now, we need our belonging and we need us. So all of us belong to each other without putting light for someone or others. No, this is now we have a huge concept of belonging. So this is the, the thing is different in my point of view and how I am in this situation, both the earthquake.
0: That's a really beautiful concept that you're bringing up, Asada, this idea of the shared experience between Turkish people and Syrian people. And you talk about it as being a common fear and maybe even a common hope of what's to come in the future and the sense of community. I wanted to ask you before we go into this, I want to remind everybody listening that Asada gave two really incredible powerful and very vulnerable and sensitive interviews to Leila Fadil from NPR, one right after the earthquake and an update. A few weeks after that. And she went really into the details of the harrowing experience of living through the earthquake with her family and uh, coming from the city of Antakya, Hatay, which has been completely destroyed by the earthquake. And so I encourage everybody listening to go to these interviews. We can link to them and really listen to that firsthand experience. And Asala, you were so brave to share that live experience because I think you were one of the first voices to the whole entire world coming right after the earthquake to explain what it was like to live through that. So I wanted to ask you, how are you doing right now? How are your daughters doing? How is your family doing now that we're almost four months into the earthquake? I'm
1: so happy to share that uh, we are starting the new life with a new way of life with the great people and with the very nice impact of the people surrounding us. So now we are in Rehanli based, me first, and then my parents, they came and based in Rehanli, alhamdulillah. And my daughters started uh, their way of learning and teaching again. They uh, come in new life. They start with happiness here in Rehanli, especially that because they are integrated a lot in Karim House. And thank you for all the people here in this building, for all the people, they are surrounding me and them. So they don't feel any fear of that they are here in new life. They integrated in very
0: quick time, alhamdulillah. That's wonderful to hear. And I want to hear more about how young people have been Able to process this experience and maybe you can take us into the really important work that you and the Kenham House team have been doing after the earthquake within the displaced camps that have been set up for people who've lost their homes in the earthquake. I wanted to ask you, you know, coming into the four-month marker after the earthquake, what should people know about in the world now, about what it's like to live right now and after the earthquake that we're not paying attention to or we don't know about. Because I think for me, looking at how we've had to React and how we've had to help people and respond after this catastrophe. At the beginning, it was the first few days, the first couple of weeks, everybody in the news, everybody around the world was talking about this earthquake. And then suddenly, like everything else, people don't talk about it. But the reality is the recovery is not days and weeks and months. It's actually probably going to be years. So what's going on right now with people and their lives that everybody around the world should really know about? The
1: main thing that all the people here, they are living in is just that now they know where they are and where they have to stay. This stage, it's ends for them. Now the other thing really, they need the well-being. They don't know themselves. They don't know how they will do. Is it right? Is it wrong? The main thing that for the, the people that they are not in the uh, good, uh, you know, psychological situation to feel that they are fine. They are still in feeling of they are not in a stable situation. They don't know what will happen. Why? Because we have many things still missed for them. Schools, teaching, the parents, uh, they don't focus well for these issues. And many, many of the people, you know, they stayed in the camps and some of them, they go to the containers. Some of them know the kids, you know, they don't have activities. They have some special events to some organizations, but they don't fix this, you know, activities to be as a routine for them as they are in. OK, in the situation, but they have things to do in this camp. So. These things for the people don't no need for they know the food now is good, shelter not bad, but at least they are in um, good situation. All the things, the basic things for the life they have, but they missed the main things, the factors of life, to feel that they are in well-being as a human. They have life as others and they can continue. So now we need this. For all the people, especially inside Hatay, especially inside Antakya.
0: Why is Hatay different from other areas in southern Turkey?
1: Antakya now, they don't have a um, clear plan for the people. They don't know what we will have after. Do they will get the new home? The camps will be there for a long time or not. Teachers, they didn't come back. Employees, not all of the capacity, come back. The main centers of the governmental buildings, they are in the, you know, sites of Antakya, nothing inside in the center of this city. They don't know the future for them because they don't see that they settle down again, all these, you know, instructional things, schools, all of these things. And even for the work. So... Up till now, it's not easy for sure for the country to settle down everything in a minute or in a year or in a month. So we need to support the government. We need to support these people to find something that we have outside of Antakya to be inside of Antakya. So only this.
0: So... Let's talk about these elements because I think they're very important for people to understand. It reminds me a lot, actually, of the situation that Syrians had maybe five, six years ago when I remember even having a talk that I called Beyond the Basics, because it was very frustrating for me to see the humanitarian response to the Syrian crisis so much focused on food and water and the basics. And a lot of times, which are very important, you can't live without these things, but the way that we were seeing the response was this delivery of the basics to sometimes areas that didn't even need it as much. You know, we had a situation in Syria when there was a hunger siege around Damascus where people were starving and it was man-made and it was a weapon of the war. And the world wasn't able to deliver the basics to the people who needed it most. And it's very frustrating to see the response to a conflict or a war, displacement and natural disasters, to always focus on those very first elements of what people need. And like what you're saying, people have food, people have water, people have decent shelter, but that doesn't really make a life. It definitely does not make a future. So you're talking about the really important elements of what makes a good life, school, work, psychological well-being, mental health. So let's start with that. Like in schools, for instance, in Hatay, in Antakya, I'm assuming there's no schools available. What about Reyhanli? Yes, I will start with Antakya. For Surya,
1: in Antakya, there are no schools up to now. And uh, they have some initiations, things to do, but no schools up to now, and they don't know. And for Surya, all the students succeeded. The government, Say that all of the students in Hattai for the Arctic situation succeeded and uh, go to the next grade. Okay, but what about the missing information? What about all of the things that they missed really? Okay, they go to the second grade. Okay, but they don't have the well information about that. How we will do that? This is the first thing. For Rihanli, Lee, as I have an experience with some students, they came from Antakya, and I was very close to them. Some of them, they said that I don't feel that I'm good. Just when I come to Karim House, I feel that I really have something to do. And every day they come to the building, nothing to do, just to be with us. Integrate with us because they, they feel that they have something because the students who came from Antakya to Rehanli, for sure, they didn't put them directly to the schools because many of the schools building, they need to rebuild again. So they have a big capacity of the students and it's not easy to make them back to the school. So most of them, they didn't go to the schools here in Rehanli. So are the
0: schools in Rehanli open for the Rehanli students or are the buildings still need to be, you know, fortified or what is the situation for the Rehanli students? Okay, for Rehanli students, not all of the building
1: uh, is eligible to go. It's not uh, good for the risks of the building. For sorry, they combine many of the students in just four buildings. And uh, they give them only two hours in a day to go for the schools as not a regular situation. And some of them, they stopped going to the school because their schools, is not good for them to go. So this is a situation in Rihali and most of the students, they didn't go because it's not a ideal situation for them.
0: Did people leave because so many parts of Antakya were destroyed and so many buildings became unsafe? So I know that there are camps around Antakya, camps in Raihanle, around in the whole area for all of the people that lost their homes. But did a lot of people just leave Hatay?
1: Yes, they leave Hatay and some of them, they go out of Hatay. Some of them who went to out of Hatay, they came back again and start to find the safety here. They feel belonging in Hatay. Most of them, they say, we are not able to stay there because we belong to Hatay. We will go to Hatay, back to Hatay, belong to Hatay. And for the workers, they have uh, vacancies work. You know, they can have work there because, as you know, it's rebuilding. It's many, many of the projects and many of organizations back to Hatay. They start their work there. So it's good, especially for Syrians to back to Hatay or stay in the some camps. But some of them, they went out of Hatay, but not a lot.
0: Tell us about the situation in the camps. I mean, when I came to Rayhandle a few weeks after the earthquake, I saw that there was many, many informal. There was not really, I didn't see really formal tents. There were really tents anywhere. There was a green area or an open area. You'd find tents, including in the Karam Park. That was really a place where a lot of people just put up a tent. I think for me, one of the most devastating parts of um Being there for the few days that I was there with all of you is hearing about so many people, starting with our own team that were living in a tent, even though their building was still standing. And so I don't think I'll ever get over that or be able to process the idea that your house is there, but you're afraid to go inside. And so you're living in a tent in front of your house. That was just a whole other level of trying to understand fear that so many Syrians have faced so many different things, you know, the most unimaginable things. And this was something that even I don't think any of us could imagine, that your house is in front of you, but you're staying in a tent because you're afraid of your own building. So now what is it like there? Where are people staying? Tell us about these camps and uh, how people are living right now for people who've lost their homes. I will start with the
1: last point about the tents very close to their building of the people and really true what you are saying about this uh, image. So sad for them. Alhamdulillah, now it's better. Most of the people back to their building and uh, they feel safer than before. Not all of the tents randomly now we can see. And uh, just in a few, few tents that we can see around the rihanli for the situation to the camps in Antakya and the tents uh, who the people have it in random way the situation is worse for sorry because now summer is coming and the tents are not in very good conditions we have five main uh, camps it's under the um, governmental uh, you know authority and the situation is good but for Syrians not a lot because now they are starting to take the turkish people to the containers but syrians they don't have the right to have the containers for sorting so they stay in the camps and they took the turkish people to the containers they say that they have to wait their turns because a lot of people and huge demands for the containers and it's not easy and it's logical but they start to manage the situation like this but if we will look at the instance is very small it's just contains two beds or three and with the kids, it's not easy. They give two tents for the family, the one family. They tell them that you have to go out the camps. You have to wo- manage yourself. We will, are not able to take all the people under our capacity. So now the people start to find another solution or alternative solution, especially Syrians. They go to the organizations or ask for other things they can do. Some of them, they ask to come to Rihanli because the, the people from Rihanli back to their homes, maybe now we have less things. They can can have some people uh, from Antarctica. So the situation is like this. But nobody really know what is the reality and what they have to do. No one, they are sure about the next, next step what they have to do. Now, as you know, we have election and the election, the situation also unstable for all of the people here. Now, all of the people in the camps or in, in Hatay, they are waiting the um, scheme of the new Antakya and how they will uh, start their work
0: or their life there. That's really interesting. And I don't really understand what the situation is going to be for Syrians. Do you think that they will start getting these containers? Are the camps with the containers out? Obviously, living in a container is much more stable than living in a tent. But are these camps now completely separated between Syrians and Turkish? Or is the same camp having some tents and some containers? In election time,
1: fortunately, they separated them because, you know, the tension of the refugee and some of the refugees have the citizenship and vote for one, other one. So they have many tension inside the camps. And I have a real example for five families, Syrian families. They give them the permission because they have cancers. They give them the permission to go to the container. The container is full option container. It's very nice, really. It's so in good condition. It's from Qatar. And these containers, all of these containers are from Qatar. And really, I saw the video for these containers. The containers are amazing and in very good condition for the family. They give them the permission to go to the containers. And when they go to the camp of containers, some of Turkish people, they saw them that they are Syrians and they go to the manager of this camp and they say, we don't want any Syrians here. And for sorry, those people after, you know, pick up all their luggage and they were very happy to take these containers go with tears and with sorrow, with sadness, with broken hearts back to the small tents with uh, people with cancer. And they don't know what they have to do.
0: That's really terrible to hear. I think that the Qatar containers, so everybody knows those were donated by Qatar that were the actual World Cup containers. And that was a big contribution from Qatar to Turkey after the earthquake. Thousands of containers that they had used during the World Cup were donated after the earthquake, which was a very important gesture. And I'm sure that they're being used for a good purpose. But how does this story fit with your first points about the wider community of belonging all together, Syrians and Turkish people together? And so are you seeing that that initial everybody's in it together now shifting a bit? It's shifting a bit. I think it's our responsibility to integrate
1: them, to give them the vision of the all the people the same. When we will be there with Syrians and Turkish, they will be one. When we will guide our activities, when we will guide our responsibilities, when we will guide our power for all of them, they will hug each other. They will integrate those people with them when they see that we are really have the concerns to focus light and spotlight on them and to the others without any point for Syrians, Turkish people, kids, all of them. They need us. I think we can ride the way in right way. So we need to do this step. They are waiting for us. Really, they are waiting for us. They don't know even what they have to do. One person is not able to do anything. But when they guide all the people in the the right way, they will know and they will be sure about that they will be fine.
0: At least to make them that you will be fine. So when you say they need to do something together, who should be doing this? Who should make this start?
1: We as Karam, as other Syrian people who work for all the community, our message, our activities... Because we have a live example here in Rehanli. When we work with the camp with the Turkish people, everything has changed. They welcome us. They were happy with us. The Turkish kids, now they know Karam in very good, you know, fame. They are Syrians. They hug us. They play with us. They do something with us. And I saw many of the kids in the streets and say, hi, you are from Karam and you are Syrians. They love us. So we need to, you know, increase this things and babab activities and all things that we can do for the community. I think this is the best thing that all the people, both Earthquake, whether Syrians or Turkish people, they need, especially after the election. Now the situation is stable. We can go forward. We can go and go fast also.
0: Yes, that's exactly what we want to do. I want you to really do a deep dive into the Karam pop-ups. I was so excited to see that work that happened mostly started during Ramadan. And I loved watching all of the updates from the team, seeing what you were all doing inside of the camps. It was very moving. It was very emotional. It reminded me of our work at the beginning after the revolution, working in the camps inside Syria with everybody who had been displaced, be early displaced from the war, and really just going in and doing whatever we could to help young people. But now it's coming back and doing it again 10 years later. How was that experience? Tell us more about the Karam pop-ups. How did they function? What did you all do? What was really special about this work?
1: The first thing that made me out of my bad psychological situation after the earthquake All of the people around me, they did many things just to make me out of this. Only being in the camp with these activities, they make me feel really happy. The first time I was smiling, the first time I laughed, the first time I think, Asala, you come back. Now you come back. Really, when we did Bobab activities in the camp, because those people, I think that they are part of me. They are part of this community. Really, it was amazing thing that we will do. Not only for this camp, my daughters, they were very happy to be there. The people, our volunteers, our students, this experience, it's not for the Karam only as a staff. It's for all the cycle of Karam. It's for our vision, our goal. These 10,000, you know, leaders that we want and we will look forward, we see them on the land. This is really amazing for me. It touches my heart so, so strong. I see our leaders at the first time in front of us. They are doing, you know, shoulder by shoulder, hand by hand, feeling by feeling, smile together, work together, love together. It's not as such thing that you make a project and you guide to some beneficiaries. No, all of us, we need each other. All of us doing good for each other. All of us strengthening each other. It really was such an amazing experience for us.
0: Yes. Can you explain to everybody how we actually did the pop-ups when you talk about the leaders? Because a lot of our Karam House graduates came in to help everybody because we didn't have a big team. A lot of people had to leave Hatay. They went other places. So our team was not as big as it usually is. And so how did we actually get the pop-ups to work and who was helping? The first uh,
1: step for the pop-up activities, it starts with our leaders. Our leaders here, the graduated students or our students, they start with me. They start to support me psychologically. They start to talk with me, ask me, Asala, go back. We need you. We will start the game. Every day they start to talk with me and set steps. We will do that, like that, like that. We we are waiting you. We have a lot of, you know, steps with Karam. We are meeting with them. Heidi Kam, Asala, we are waiting you. We start with our leaders in planning. We didn't plan alone. We plan with them. We uh, based on them. They work very hard. Really, they support us in an amazing way. They were ready. They were ready. Without any training, without anything, they were ready. This is a successful point for us as a program, that they are ready. We really graduate, they, they we have a graduated student, they are ready to be in the community. We can, based on their skills, and we trust them. So we start and having uh, the plan like this, activities outside of the tent, and uh, semi-workshops of the mentors and innovative education with our tools, inside the tent. At the same time, we organize this with mentors, with volunteers, with uh, students, and with employees. As you mentioned, Lina, it's very true. We were few employees. We don't have the capacity to be in the camp. And this is the first experience even in Karam. We don't have this capacity. And um, as you know, all of you, when we have this kind of activities inside the camp, we need to plan a lot, a lot of capacities, a lot of people to train them, to teach them like this, but we were ready. Just we plan together. We organize it inside the tent. We have a innovative education workshops and we have at the same time outside of the tent, we have the volunteers with activities for all the kids inside that the tent. We have our goals as a current house from 13 till 17 uh, workshops. And outside we have other goals with two years, three years, five years, all the kids together, playing together. This is the first thing that we are doing and uh, managing that at the same time. The workshops inside working and running out in very good way, in silent way, and outside we have the fun, the smile. So we are doing this like inside and outside of the tent. And even in the night, because of Ramadan, where we also think about the people after iftar, they need something. So we are working also, because we are happy to do that with our leaders. They were the leaders of this. They make as a film together and invite us even, all of us in the camp with the families, with the parents to watch films after iftar. So it was a really amazing things for being in the camps.
0: That's really incredible. I wanted to remind everybody, you know, when Asala's talking about these leaders, she's talking about Syrian refugee teenagers, young people who had attended Keram House and attended our programs and coming back to support the Keram pop-up tents that were happening inside the camps and doing all these kinds of really exciting activities. And what I'm hearing from you are several things. One of them is really coming in and starting to fill the gap that the children and young people needed in the camps in terms of not having any more school, not having any more routine, and then having all of these games and play and these movie nights. It's kind of bringing back a sense of normalcy, a sense of joy. And that is really going into that gap that you brought up at the beginning, which was the well-being of people and that psychological support that's coming in without, you know, talking about it in that way, but really just bonding people together and giving them these uh, kinds of experiences that reminds them of their full humanity, going beyond the basics like we talked about. Did you see the power of that well-being being being delivered through the Karam pop-up? I see, I touch, and I feel this well-being in a perfect way. That's beautiful. I also, when you were speaking, it reminded me when I was listening to our first interview, Asala, you're just such a special human being. You talked about in that first interview about how you find a sense of belonging in the act of service, in the act of helping people. And so this became another almost testing space for you where again, you found your way back to being yourself through helping others. Yes, really true, Lina. When
1: uh, now we start the, 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 this podcast about that, in the first time I was talking about the you know doing good for others and serving people, but now I feel it empowered, and now I'm sure more about this. Really,
0: it's true. So I wanted to ask you, what's next for the Karam pop-ups? What are you looking forward to doing this summer with the team to take these ideas even further?
1: We are ready to go to camps in Antakya. Our plan before the earthquake about Antakya still exists. This is my power. And a minute before, I felt that we are doing a lot of efforts to be in Antakya. And it's still alive. It's still alive. And now it's more worth. It's more worth for us. It's valuable now. It's really a valuable step that we are ready to go forward to Antakya with putting light more on the people in Rehanli. Now, because we have more population, we need to spread more. We have new people, the new coming people in Rehanli, huge numbers. It's not as before. Now we have more work in Rehanli and we have a courage to go to Antakya more, to be inside the camp, inside the people who are waiting us to be there.
0: I can't wait to see everything that we're going to do this summer It's going to be such an incredible experience for the people and the kids and our team and our leaders. I want to see this develop. And like you, I'm very happy that we're going to be helping in Antakya, in Hatay, the people that need it most and be able to give everybody what we've learned over the past 10 years of experience in this space and in this actual community to give people that sense of well-being, the continuity of education, support of families and doing all the things that we've been doing for years and deliver them to this new group of people that have gone through so much. Really, yes. We are ready, inshallah, and uh, all together to see the successful things inside Antarctica. So my last question to you is, I wanted to ask, what do the young people in Hatay and Rayhandle after the earthquake, what do these young people need most? Really, they need just to start. They are ready and they want to be on the ground.
1: We need to let them, to give them this chance, come with us and start together.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to tell everybody, Asala?
1: Thank you for uh, Yulina, for being with Karam. And uh, thank you for the hope that we give to all of the people inside Hatay and in Antakya and for insisting on our message to go forward and being more and more to all over the world, inshallah, to all the people who need us.
0: Thank you so much, Asala. You are really the engine of hope for Karam House. And I salute you and your bravery and your honesty and your generosity of your spirit that helps guide our work every day. And I'm so happy to see you well and to know that your family and your children are doing well. And I'm very, very excited to see what we're all going to be doing together moving forward in the summer months and even beyond that to build something stronger and more more resilient than before to help everybody that's been going through a very difficult time and to build that sense of hope and belonging for many more people. Thank you, Lina. Thank you. Thank you, Asala. We will get more, probably more updates from you in the future months. Sure. We are ready. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Belongings. I'm your host, Lina Sergiatar. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and found it to be meaningful. This episode of Belongings was produced by Rama Zub and Noor al Episode research by Rania Chowdhury. Podcast artwork by Suleyman Faour. Please follow, rate, and review Belongings wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow Belongings on Instagram at Belongings If you would like to support building a sense of belonging, community, and well-being for refugee youth, please visit karamfoundation.org. Thank you everyone, see you next time.